You are listening to the YLM Sermon of the Week podcast with Pastor Cassandra Foy. Be blessed and refreshed by this relevant word from the Lord. Are you? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much for that introduction. We do praise God on this morning. God is an awesome God. Oh, yes. Our God reigns. Listen, our God reigns. We just going to take a pause right there and give God some praise. Even as I was preparing the lesson and wrapping some things up a couple of days going on yesterday, God just impressed upon me to make sure we give God some praise on this morning. So I want you to lift your hands right where you are, find you some space, whatever you to do, and begin just to give God glory. Just begin to give him the highest praise. Hallelujah. Begin to lift his name up. Tell him thank you. Tell him how much you appreciate him, how much you adore him. Hallelujah. Because we serve an awesome God. There is nothing, hallelujah, impossible for him. So we give God honor on today. Amen. We give him praise on today. Hallelujah. We lift his name up on today. For he alone is worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. We want you to continue to give God praise throughout the service because he is worthy of it. Amen. Worthy of what? Worthy of your praise. Worthy of you open up your mouth and calling out his name. Hallelujah. Tell him how wonderful he is. How awesome he is. Think about what he has done for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Oh, God, we love you on today. Listen, I'm excited on this morning. Amen. Amen. Because God is an awesome God. He shows up right when you need him. Hallelujah. Sometimes we counting down the clock. We trying to figure out, God, when you going to show up, what you going to do? And God said, I'm already working it out. I'm back here behind in the, behind the scenes working it out. So we thank God for him being who he is. Amen. Amen. To God be all the glory. We do honor God once again on this morning. We honor our senior leaders, our Apostle Willie Talbert, our Apostle Mimi Talbert, our Pastor Steve Talbert. Amen. Amen. To my wonderful, awesome husband, Pastor Hector Foy. Amen. To Pastor Vondell and Lady Scott. Amen. We are so excited. We thank God for all our elders, our ministers, our deacons, mothers, saints, and friends. Hallelujah. We thank God for the Holy Spirit on today moving. We decree and declare he's going to move through your house on today. Amen. While the word is coming forth, God is going to do something awesome. So I dare you just to trust God. I dare you to believe God for that miracle that you have been waiting for. Amen. For God to show up in your house on today. But you got to invite him in. Amen. So if someone's not sitting around right now with you or in worship, amen, doing this virtual service, Grab them, knock on their door, tell them, come on over, send a link to somebody, share, amen, this broadcast with somebody on this morning because they need a word from the Lord on today, amen, amen. So we thank you for tuning in to our service, amen. We don't understand, God reminds us that he is the king of kings, he is the Lord of lords, amen, hallelujah, I'm grateful that I know our God. Are you grateful that you know God? If you're grateful, put it in the comment. Put it in the chat. I'm grateful that I know God on today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We want to get to our scripture on this morning. We're going to be looking at, um, get your Bibles. First of all, I'm going to look at the scripture, Luke 14, verse 16, 16 through 24. That's Luke 
chapter 14, verses 16 through 24. And then after that, we'll skip over to 1 Peter 4 and 8. We're going to look at the King James Version for Luke on this morning. That's Luke 14, 16 through 24. And it reads as such, amen. Then said he unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bathed many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent begin to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant of the Lord said, said, Lord, it is done as thou command, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bitten shall taste of my supper. Amen. Amen. Let's go to First Peter 4 and 8 to the NIV. And it says, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. So is the word of the Lord. His words already blessed. Father, we thank you right now for your word that have been uh, read in our hearing on this morning. We thank you right now for the word of the Lord that shall be um, given out, Father. Father, we pray, oh God, that you will begin to move in a mighty way. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for your anointing on today. We thank you for showing up. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. We should not be just hearers of your words. We should be doers also. Oh God, we pray this word will fall on good ground on today. God, we thank you, oh God. We thank you, oh God, it shall permeate the atmosphere on today, God, because of the anointing. So God, we love you. We thank you. And we serve notice on the enemy that he is defeated on today. We bind him and we cast him out of every house right now in the name of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that we all totally surrender unto you and we surrender and we give way to your word on today, to your anointing, to your purpose, to your plan for our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. To God be all the glory. Come on, give God a hand praise on this morning. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, we serve an awesome God on today. We thank God for reading us his word. I want to talk to you today well, this, with this subject in mind. Amen. Who have you invited to the party? Who have you invited to the party? Come on, put that in the comment section. Put that in the chat. Who have you invited to the party? Amen. There's a party going on. Amen. And we want to make sure that everybody got their invitation Amen. Amen. We need to talk to the saints on today. We're going to look at this scripture from a different side, from another perspective on today. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So let's look at the backdrop of this lesson on today and of our primary text. And Jesus is teaching the religious folks. Somebody say religious folks. He's teaching them a lesson or two. Amen. And the Pharisees and the lawyers 
are in the room of Jesus at one of the ruler's house. And the Pharisees uh, were a prominent religious group or sect during the time of Jesus in the first century of Judea. They were known uh, for their strict adherence to the Jewish law and their focus on religious purity and observance. The name Pharisee is derived uh, from the Hebrew word separated or set apart, reflecting their commitment to maintaining a distinct religious identity. Now, the Pharisees played a significant role in Jewish society and were recognized as religious leaders and experts in interpreting and applying the Torah, the Jewish religious law. They believed in the resurrection uh, uh, of the dead. They believed in angels and the existence of the afterlife, which distinguished them from other contemporary Jewish groups like the Sadducees. And the Sadducees were those of influence and power. And even though they um, believed similar to the Pharisees, they did not believe in the resurrection. They were more about the functioning in the temple. So while the Pharisees were generally respected for their knowledge and piety, they also drew criticism from Jesus for what he saw as their hypocrisy and legalistic approach to religion. Come on, somebody, we, we know about that. We can't, somebody say you can't be, um, we can't be hip hypocrites, right? We can't be, we can't say one thing and do another. So Jesus often clashed with the Pharisees, particularly in matters concerning religious rituals and Sabbath observance and interpretations of law. The gospel accounts portray several confrontations between Jesus and the Pharisees, highlighting their difference and their differing perspectives, I should say, and Jesus' um, teachings on matters of faith, right, compassion, and nature of God's kingdom. It is important to note, however, that the portrayal of the Pharisees in the Gospels may not represent, we don't want to lump all the Pharisees together because there were some Pharisees that did not believe the same way, but we're just mentioned this to you because this was a group of Pharisees that um, was in in um, combating with Jesus. We could put it that way. Amen. Amen. In their midst was a man who had an illness. And we're just giving you the backdrop of this lesson. If you go back up to verse one and bring, we're going to bring it on down. Right. So there was a man in their midst who had an illness called dropsy. And the medical term for that today really boils down to uh, inflammation, um, edema, if you will, in today's language. So somebody say, God can still heal. Amen. Dropsy, right? Jesus asked the question to the Pharisees, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? There was silence in the room, people of God. Jesus healed the man and asked another question. He's asking, if your donkey fell in the ditch, would you get him out? Or would you leave him in the ditch? Silence fell in the room again. Jesus began to teach them about humility. Listen, don't think you are so wonderful because there can always be someone to come into a room that may be more wonderful than you. Because somebody say humility. Humility, yes. Humility is key. Humility is key. And in verse 12, Jesus instructed his audience, when you have a, a dinner, don't just invite your friends, your family, or your rich neighbors, just to get a return or to climb the social ladder, but invite those that may not be able to return the favor. 
or don't or don't um know you like that sometimes we invite people that we know that we feel we feel good in the room with you know people that we know is going to pass on our back is going to um, support us and those kind of things and help us to get where we are trying to go they are not looking to repay you or give you any quick pro quo and that's what we need to have in the room we need to invite those like that the people that are not looking for a repayment not looking for you to scratch my back you scratch you i'll scratch your back you scratch mine um kind of concept something for something this for that there were lawyers in the room as well so we we know that jesus amen he was in the room to teach them something he's always teaching isn't he always teaching he's always teaching us something Jesus said, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Invite them to the feast, he said. When you look at verse 15, it says, and when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto them, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. He got the revelation. He realized right there in response to Jesus' teaching, he uh, expressed a sentiment of blessing, acknowledging the honor of participating in the future feast in the kingdom of God. Luke 14 and 15 reflects the positive response of one of the dinner guests to the idea of partaking in the feast or banquet in the kingdom of God, expressing a sense of blessedness or honor associated with such an event. Now we come to our main text, looking at verse 16, right? This is a passage from the Bible, specifically from the New Testament and the Gospel of Luke. It is known as the parable of the great banquet. Many of you may have read this before. For those, some of you may be your first time reading it. I want to encourage you to go back and read it verse by verse. Most people love a good party. How do you love a good party? Whether you are, you know, when you were in the world or whether you or even now, you might love a good party. Uh, it just all depends on who your partner, who your dancing partner is, right? What kind, of, what, what kind of party are you throwing? Receiving an invitation is a wonderful feeling. You want to get an invitation to a party, especially when there is a connection to the person who invited you. When we come to church, it is not just about you coming to say you have, um, you have, um, some, pl you have some place to go every Sunday. But the church is a place for us to feast, to celebrate our relationship with God, to give him thanks to worship him, to take um, in the love of God and, the, and feast on the word of God. It is also a place of healing, fortification, breakthrough. Amen. To experience the power of God so we can do what we need to do on a daily basis. It's a place we come to get rejuvenated, revived, refreshed. Amen. Amen. Yes, yes. The church is a place for people to receive the truth of God's word. And we know it. Yes, Lord, we get the truth of God's word. Amen. Hallelujah. And to be strengthened and empowered to celebrate the fact that Jesus gave his life so sinners can be forgiven. So people like you and me can have opportunity. Hallelujah. To live a life as followers of Christ. To be forgiven and experience the unconditional love of Jesus as their Savior and Lord, because a lot of times we're we're okay with Jesus being our Savior, but we have to allow Him to be Lord of our life. We have to allow Him to rule us. We have to allow Him to guide us, to lead us. Amen. So this parable 
that we're talking about here in Luke 14 is the perfect example of how we as believers are supposed to celebrate our faith. One thing the Lord has been really dealing with me about um, these past few months is going beyond doing something different, you know, um, changing how we see what we do. Because sometimes we can get caught up in just doing things habitual. Just because I know I'm supposed to do it, so I'm just going to do this. It becomes rote. It becomes like a daily routine. It becomes religious, right? And we don't want to be religious. We want to have relationship. We want to have a spiritual relationship with God. So this parable is a perfect example of that. It's a perfect example. It shows us how to evangelize and confirms our target audience. Because we know we believe in targeting our, so we target our prayers. We want to target our audience. Amen. Hallelujah. Because God has a specific um, group of people just for you. I believe that. I believe we all are assigned to different people. Amen. People are assigned to us. People that pass us every day. Amen. People that we go to work with. People that we see in the supermarket. People we see in the different stores and malls. Wherever we are in school. Right? In our neighborhoods. There are people that God has said, I need you to win them. I need you to invite them to the party. I need you to invite them to your church. I need you to encourage them. I need you to share your testimony. And it's not about a long uh, speech or about um, giving out scripture after scripture, but it's about living that life in front of them. It's about sharing what God has done for you. It's about sharing your faith, what you believe. It is the church, the people in the church, responsibility to invite others to the celebration. Most of the time when someone gives a party or a celebration, they invite people that will bring them a gift or those that um, they have known for a long time, such as family, friends, and people they feel um, should be present. However, that is not the way Christ sees the picture. I love it. I love it because when he talks about bathing, that means... Um, they were commanded. They were instructed to come. Amen. Let's look at the scripture. Look at the scripture 14, verse uh, chapter 14, 16 to 24, about this great feast that this man had prepared. He was the host. Yet all the people on his list had excuses for why they were unable to attend. A certain man says, was preparing a great banquet. Could you imagine somebody taking time? Now, my profession is I have my own meeting profession, meeting planning business. I'm a meeting um, professional, certified meeting professional, and it takes a lot to plan an event, a meeting, whether it's an ad board, whether it is a symposium, whether it is um, um, a wedding or whether whatever, what kind of gala, celebration of any kind, it takes time to plan. It takes resources to plan. It takes energy to plan. It's a lot put into it. So could you imagine this a man preparing this great banquet? He invited all these guests. Who knows how many he, he um, planned for? I don't know. But it doesn't even matter. Whether you plan for two or 2,000, it still takes work. It takes effort because you put your heart and soul into it because you want people to come and be comfortable. You want people to come and be blessed. You want them to come and enjoy themselves. So at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell all those who have been invited, you know, like, come on, come on. Everything is ready now. You mean everything is complete, right? It's prepared. It's been organized for you. I laid everything out. I put out my best silverware, my best china, you know, the best glasses. I cooked the, the dishes that I thought I had to bring them in. Kate, I flew some 
some fresh fish in, you know, got some fresh flowers coming from another country. And here, all these things I prepared just for this feast, right? And he's telling them, tell them, come on, it's ready. But they all begin to make excuses, it said. Check this out. So the first person said, I love it. I love it. He said, I have just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me, he says. Now, in my head, I'm thinking, if you bought it already, like buying a house, you saw that already. You already seen it. You looked at it before you purchased it. <laughs> so what are you exactly saying? You know, he said, please excuse me. That's what he said. Then another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out again. If you purchased them already, you already tried to drive in the car, uh, purchase the car. Before you purchase the car, you take it for a test drive. You let your mechanic look at it. At least that's what you should do, you know, all these things. So if you've done that, so why you need to be excused? Why you have to go and try it out again? Still, another said, I got married, so I can't come. I just got married. I got a wife. I can't come. The servant came back like, I'm thinking, if anything, you should be leading your wife to church, <laughs> taking them to worship with you. So the servant came back and reported this to the master and the owner of the house. He became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly, go into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, right? He said, sir, the servant said, you ordered all that has been done, but there is still room. So then the master sent him out again. He said, go out again to the roads and the country and the lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be filled. I tell you, not one of those, right? He goes on. He's done, now he's, you can see he's, he's upset. All those people I invited, they'll never taste nothing from my table. This parable is often interpreted as a metaphorical story illustrating the invitation of God, God's kingdom and the response of different individuals to that invitation. The guests who were initially invited and declined to attend represent those who rejected or made excuses to not accept the invitation of God's kingdom. In response, the host of the banquet opens the invitation to others, right? Who may be considered outsiders, who may be considered marginalized, symbolizing the inclusivity of, of God's invitation to all people. God is no respected person. The parable carries a message about the importance of accepting the invitation of God's kingdom and not allowing worldly concerns or distractions to hinder one's response. It also emphasizes to this the welcoming of the welcoming nature of God's invitation even to those who are considered outcasts or overlooked by society. And this is what this is the side we want to look at today because so many times we look at all the excuses that people make. You know, um, when it comes to this scripture, we often focus on that, given by those who were invited. But what was your excuse? Better yet, what is your excuse today for not obeying God? What is your excuse for not accepting the invitation? What is your excuse for not winning souls? We talk about situations that uh, we don't like, but, but we have brought the situation to the one that can turn it around. That's what we need to do. We have not brought it to Jesus. Ask yourself, 
who have I invited to the party? In this parable, the folks that really uh, that already had a relationship with the host of the party rejected his invitation. Isn't that just like sometimes family and friends, you invite them to something, they don't show up, and you expect them to, you expect your family and friends to support you if nobody else do. But you can't think like that. God has an assignment for each and every one of us to reach beyond. Now, don't get me wrong. We should first make sure our family, our friends, our loved ones, our neighbors are saved. But at the same time, we can't wait for them to make a decision. There's other souls that need to be reached as well. So we don't want to stop there and get discouraged because, oh, well, I asked my sister. Oh, well, I asked my brother. I asked my cousin. I asked my uncle. I asked my aunt. They all, they never came. They said, no, oh, well, I guess I don't need to. I'll just keep asking them over. Yeah, keep continue to ask them. But at some point, you got to move on and ask somebody else because there's someone that's ready because that's where it's at. The people have to be ready. So they became too common with him. That could be a reason. Sometimes people are too common with us. Sometimes people treat us like we're like back in the day, as they say. Oh, that's just um, Junior. Oh, that's just um, Sally Ann. That's, oh, okay. That's, oh, that's Cassandra. Oh, oh, well, you know, I knew her when she was, yeah. You knew me when, but do you know me now? And even more important, do you know Christ? Come on to the party. We're inviting you to the party today. We're inviting you to come to the next service. Not just today, but come to the next service as well. Isn't it true that as time passes, it is easy to take people and things even for granted? Here it is. This man had went out of his way to make sure everything was perfect and ready for his guests. But they did not appreciate the kindness that was displayed. They did not even have the courtesy to let the host know directly, well in advance, they would not be able to attend. That's just like in a wedding, you have the RSVP and people don't respond, but yet they show up or yet they never say anything or they don't even acknowledge or send a gift. You know, at that point, the host realized he invited the wrong folks. Most might say, I invited the wrong folks. Let's just be honest, we invite the wrong folks. Sometimes that happens. You invite the wrong people. And that's why it's important. And, uh, you know, and I'm very careful as who comes into your house, whose house you go into. We have to be careful. You Sometimes we invite the wrong folks. It's funny how the church invite other church folks. Why we invite other church folks to church? They already have a church. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. Again, when you have an anniversaries and functions like that, and it's a special occasion, you definitely want to invite everybody, everybody to come and celebrate with you. But when we're talking about getting to know Christ, building a relationship. If somebody already know Christ, they already have a church home, they be, they're a believer. It's important to make sure we are inviting non-believers, inviting the unchurched, inviting those that do not confess Jesus. Inviting church folks to church, that's not how it works. The church needs a wake-up call. Somebody say, wake up, wake up, wake up. The people that need that invitation to church are the ones that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Who have you invited to the party? Once the people did not accept the invitation, 
the man told his servant to go out into the alleys to bring in the poor, as we said earlier, the lame and the blind to the party. And when there was still room for more, he sent them to the highway. Sometimes you got to take a deeper, a deeper dive. Sometimes you got to go beyond uh, what you see. I think about when you talk about going to the hedges and the highways, not because at first he mentioned go out to the streets. The streets you can kind of see. Everything is playing out in the street. You kind of look in the street and say, I can see what I see, right? But when you go into the hedges and the highways, you know, you got to cross over. You got to go down deep. You go through the bushes. You got to go past some barriers. You might go over a fence. All those things, that's digging a little deeper. You going into areas that a lot of times everybody don't want to go. <laughs> Who you inviting to the party, y'all? Who you inviting? I think about certain corners and certain streets where people don't want to go because they know that's where uh, prostitution is taking place. They know where drugs are being sold. They know there's violence in those areas. But sometimes that's where we have to go. But you have to know that is your assignment, what your assignment is. Now, safety always first. But let me tell you, there are some people, you pass by them every day. You don't have to even go that far sometimes. Some people pass by these areas every day of their life. And you say nothing. You don't say good morning. You don't say, how are you? We'll have food, uh, carrying groceries, and don't offer. You know, we have to, we have to come out of ourselves. We have to not, we have to be less selfish <laughs> and reach out to those who people consider others, the others, the ones that no one wants to talk to. This, the ones that are on the other side of the wall, the ones that we can't see in the in the sunlight, we don't see in the daylight, they come out at night. You know, we have to think about, think about all that. Invite those people. Because he said when there was still room, he said, listen, get out there, get your hands dirty, go out there into the hedges and the highways, fill my house. In the Greek translation, in Greek translation, hedges means beyond the fences and the barriers. You have to break down some barriers. You may have to kick in some barriers. You may have to hop over a fence. Hallelujah. Inviting people to church that already have a relationship with Jesus and or have a church is not benefiting the kingdom of God. There is no growth in that. True growth will come when the church truly roll up their sleeves and get into those hedges and see who's out there. The hookers, the drug dealers, the gamblers, those that need to be saved, the liars, the cheaters, come on, the fornicators, the adulterers, those that need to be saved, delivered, and set free. And some have money and some don't. It's not even about blue collar, white collar. It's about people who need Jesus. These are the ones that are beyond the barriers. These are the ones on the other side of the fence. These are the ones we need to reach. Go get them and bring them to the party so they can celebrate a better way of life. They love a good party. You have to just invite them and share what you have experienced at the party, how the party has uh, benefited you. Invite them to the party. Every church should have uh, the hookers, the adulterers, the liars, the cheaters, the the folks on the streets in their pews, because then the house of the Lord will be filled with purpose and yes, a greater purpose. Come on, somebody put it in the chat. Who have you invited? Who have you invited to the party? 
Where is the lame, the blind, the halt in your family? Everybody's not saved in your family. Who are the marginalized and the outcasts in your neighborhood? Who are the people you never speak to? Who are the ones on your job who sit alone that you don't have coffee with or have lunch with? Many are invited to sit at Jesus' table and they reject the invitation. But we can't let that discourage us. We can't let that stop us from inviting them. We can't let that hinder us from reaching out. So often it is the one that say with their lips they love God, but their heart is far from him. Churchgoers will always have excuses. It's too cold. I work late yesterday. I have school tomorrow. Or I don't feel like it. They'll just point out and say, I don't feel like it. Those are all excuses. People self-justify what they do and what they don't want to do. Then sometimes people develop mechanisms of defense to keep others out of their space. Come on. We know we do that. Yep, we do it. We almost, it's almost like an imaginary line, a circle around us. We're like, don't, don't cross the line. Don't bother me today. Let me stay right here. I'm doing, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm okay. My grandson says, I said, I'm okay. No, 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 you're not okay. <laughs> Let's deal with it. Hallelujah. Who are you inviting to the party? But when you come across those who that really want more, I love this that really want more, those that are looking for a better way, those that are truly grateful for Jesus, giving willingly and selfish, selflessly his own life so that people like you and me, right, can be free from bondage. It is vital to bring them to in on the party. Those are the people that will help others get their deliverance. See, once you're delivered, you help somebody else get delivered. At least you should, right? They will bring a self-awareness to those that have forgotten. Because sometimes we get saved, right? We get into a place where we feel like we arrived. No, you have not arrived. We're forever learning. We're forever being delivered. We're forever um, looking for God to do something else in us. Amen. We have, we have, we can't forget. Because, but for the grace of God, that could be us. Right? We have to make that investment into that ministry and demonstrate that unconditional love. This is what will fill the house of the Lord. God made it crystal clear in his word that he wanted to reach the rejected, right? The hurting, the lame, the sick, the city women, yes, the prostitutes, again, the drug dealers, all those people, those that we may have disqualified or may have been disqualified. The people that need that invitation to the church are the ones that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. But there is a real question. Here's the real question. Once they come to, into the church, how will we treat them? What opportunities will they have to grow and understand their worth and their purpose? The body of Christ has become lukewarm in this area and self-centered and in some cases fearful. If the church is going to see the folks on the other side of that fence, other side of those barriers, right, in the hedges, behind the hedges, right, it is imperative that the leaders be the first example of unconditional love and the leaders of action to share the real good news. But it's not all on them. We as the people of God 
have to be an example, have to be uh, a part of this, this movement. Amen. This is what will bring in the souls from the north, the south, the east, and the west that we always pray about, right? This is what will bring the souls in from every corner of the earth, not just into the four walls of the church, but into the kingdom of God. We have to put away the religious thoughts. Somebody say, put away the religious thoughts. And take on the mind of Christ to reveal his heart to the world. It's about him. It's not about us. It's not about us showboating. It's about us revealing him. Because when we have a party, it should be all of the about him. And that's the question. Sometimes we invite people to a party and they come to our party and they try to figure out, well, what's the difference? They trying to figure out, why should I come to your party? Your party just like my party. I just came from. <laughs> so we got to make sure there's a distinction. Hallelujah. Between the two parties. The Bible tells us to be holy as I am holy, right? He wants us holiness is still the right thing to do. Holiness is still at the forefront. It's time to change the way we think about inviting people into the house of God. So go and get the one on the street corner, in the alleyway, in the crack house, in all those dark corners. It is time to go beyond the walls and the fences, to go into action mode and compel the folks to come. Hallelujah. When you look at that word compel, it just don't mean say, hey, can you come to church with me? Would you mind? That? No, no, no. It Compel means to force. It means to coerce. <laughs> it means to make, to constrain. Now, I'm not saying you have to, you know, tie nobody up and put, throw them in your car, but you should be at the point where you are, um, you're sure about what you're asking them. You are convincing because you live the life, right? You have to live the life first. They have to look at your life first. If they're looking at your life and saying, I don't want that, then that's a problem. If they're looking at your life, they can't distinguish between what God is offering, what they have, that's a problem. We have to make sure that we are the first examples. So we can compel folks to come. So we can have a good argument. So we can be able to defend our faith. Amen. Get them to come into the house of God. So people can be taught to recognize what God, the purpose God has for them. Apostle Willie Topper has a book out, um, his book, Complete Deliverance, Finding and Keeping Total Victory for Your Life. And it states, um, that some church members came out of prostitution, drug addiction, alcoholism, and homosexuality. If God saved them from these things, then they have some strategic information that can help those who are yet enslaved by them. Isn't that powerful? It's a choice people make to either apply that information to bring others into the kingdom of God, or they can pretend that they don't see themselves <laughs> And the very one they are judging based on being a sinner. Growth in the church will come when the church allow the unchurched to flow in the grace they have been given through the love of Christ. It is the same love that was afforded to everyone, including you, no matter what the sin. Maybe Jesus won't walk into your home like he did for the Pharisees and the lawyers in the natural sense. But he will walk the earth through you as you hear his word and hear this word. It is, in, it is time to put away the religious ways and follow the example that Jesus showed through the people he came in contact with. I love how Jesus always, he came in contact with somebody. He left them better. 
He left them healed, delivered. He gave them breakthrough, miracle signs and wonders. You didn't see Jesus come in contact with somebody. He left them depressed and aggravated and frustrated. He changed their life for the better. And that's what we're here to do, to change lives for the better, to be that example, to show people how it's done. There is room at the banquet table, but who are you inviting to the party? Who are you sharing your faith with? Who are you encouraging on a daily basis? When was the last time you called someone immediately when the Holy Spirit put them on your heart? When was the last time? Praying the prayer of increase in the church is wonderful, but it will only happen when the people that are praying allow their hearts to be transformed, to be more like Jesus, to get dirty for Christ, and go out into the communities and actively look for those that have been waiting for you to ask them to come to a feast. When you look at 1 Peter 4 and 8, um, um, in a, um, this verse, it says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. I love this verse because um, it calls believers to love one another deeply. That means we're loving past what we see. We're loving past what was done to us. We're loving past um, what we feel or the place people should be. We're loving deeply, expressing a genuine and selfless love that has the power to overlook or forgive a multitude of sins. The verse suggests that love is a, a fundamental virtue that should be prioritized above all else. It highlights the transformative power of love and relationships. That's how we can love unconditionally. That's how we can have that agape love. That has, that's how we can promote unity and forgiveness and reconciliation by practicing sincere and sacrificial love. Believers can contribute to the harmony and well-being of their Christian community. And then we can be able to invite people to the party. No matter what they look like no matter what kind of job they have, no matter the social economical value we, we try to put on people. This verse echoes similar teachings found in other parts of the New Testament, such as Jesus commanding to love one another as he has loved us. And that's in John 13 and 34. And Paul's assertion that love is the greatest of all. And we know what that is, grace of all virtues in 1 Corinthians 13 and 13. Above all, right? Charity never faileth. Charity, love. When we invite people to Jesus, it should come from a place of ministry, from a heart of love and obedience to Christ. The people that you are compelling to come may not look like you today. The people you minister to may, may not talk like you or believe like you. The person you bring from your neighborhood may make more money than you, but they still need the invitation. In this text, Jesus is flipping the rules. <laughs> Jesus' way says, above all, love. Above all, love. Somebody put that in the comment. Above all, love. That's first and foremost. Jesus says, I want the folks that you have, that have been hitting in the cut. <laughs> I want the woman that lives on the edge every day. Jesus is saying, it is time, for, time out for convenience. I need the people to get their hands dirty for me. He is saying, who have you invited to the party? Who have you invited to dine with the king of kings? 
What are you doing to advance the kingdom of God? We want change. We want the power of God. We want to see a revival. Then let's go, people of God, and do what we are commanded to do when souls. Who have you invited to hear this message today? Let's get them to the next party. It's not too late to invite them now. It's not too late to share this broadcast with them because they need to know that God has purpose for them, that they are valued, that they have uh, a charge to do in this life, that there is something awesome that God has for them. Who have you invited to the party? They may have said no the first and second and third time. Invite them again anyway. But while you're waiting for them to say yes, invite someone else. Bring them into the party. It's going to be a different kind of party, but it's going to be a celebration. Because when they get introduced to the host, <laughs> to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, when they get introduced to the one that died for them, that gave his life for them, the one that took the stripes on his back for him, that took the thorns in his head for them. When they get introduced to the champion of the universe, introduced to the miracle worker, amen, the healer, the deliverer, the provider, when they get introduced to the hosts of the great party, of the great feast, hallelujah, their lives will be changed forever. So I ask you again, who have you invited to the party? So Father God, we thank you and we give you glory. We magnify your holy and righteous name, O oh God. We thank you for this opportunity to share your word, God. We thank you right now, O oh God, for what you are going to do on the behalf of your people. God, we pray, O oh God, that those that have come to the party on today, that their lives will be changed forever, that they will know that there's a purpose for them, Father, that they will know that you have greater for them, O oh God. God, we thank you for those who shall hear this broadcast over and over and over again, even years later, God, that they would know that you love them, that you are special, you are the, that they are the apple of your eye, God. So, God, we thank you and we give you glory for all those who say yes to your will and yes to your way, those that shall come and give their life to you on today. Hallelujah. And we just give you praise and thanks, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We thank God for you being a part of this broadcast on today. We want to invite you to the party. We want to invite you to say yes to Jesus. If you don't know the Lord on today, we want to invite you to turn your life over to him. It's just a simple prayer, asking God to forgive you for all your sins and just confessing that you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he died for your sins and he rose again, giving you victory over death. And we just want to invite you to accept that. And if you want to be a part of um, the party and want to be a part of the kingdom of God and Christ and learning more about Christ, definitely email us. Send us a message. We have the ways to connect with us on the screen now. You can send us an email, events at ylmconnect.org. That's events at ylmconnect.org. You can find us on our other platforms. And let us know that you are ready to come to the party. And we will give you some more information to direct you just to do that. So we thank God. Partner with YLM financially using the following methods. The YLM mobile app. Text GIFT to 1-844-948-3895. Cash app dollar sign yes lord in. 
on Givelify search for Yes Lord Ministries in Kimmelworth, New Jersey. Our website, visit www.ylmconnect.org and click donate. Mail checks and money orders to Yes Lord Ministries, Post Office Box 425 Union, New Jersey 07083. Download the YLM mobile app and stay connected with our ministry 24-7. On behalf of our lead pastor Steve Tolbert, our senior leaders Apostle Willie Tolbert and Apostle Mamie S. Tolbert and the Yes Lord Ministries Church family, thank you for joining us and welcome home.